Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The Science of Sports podcast with Professor Ross Tucker and sports journalist Mike Finch. I love world tour racing, um, but it's not all I want to do. If I wanted to be trying to win the tour, I would be a selfish dickhead. But there's no, there's no intention behind like most of what I do, if I'm honest. Welcome to another episode of The Science of Sports. Uh, my name is Mike Finch and uh, today I don't have Professor Ross Tucker with me because he's traveling all over the world. But I have had a chance to do a very interesting interview. Last week I was at the Absa Cape Epic, which is a eight-day mountain bike stage race happening here in the Western Cape in South Africa. And uh, I was there as one of the announcers. But uh, one of the people I wanted to talk to was a bit of a hero of mine and a bit of a hero of lots of people that I ride with. And uh, that man is Lachlan Morton. And uh, Lachlan... Uh, an Australian who's uh, better known for all of his alternative rides that he does as opposed to some of the world to exploits that he has done. And he has raced at the very top end of the field. He rides for the F Education Nipper team at the moment and he has won the Tour of Gila and the Tour of Utah. But uh, probably better known for his exploits as a bike packer and doing all sorts of alternative rides. And a very different philosophy he has about cycling compared to many of the world to riders. Famously, he rode a 2,500-kilometer ride from Port Macquarie to Uluru with his brother Angus Morton, and they made a documentary called Thereabouts. And then in 2015, they wrote Thereabouts Reprise, and that was about a 600-mile ride across the Colorado Rockies that Morton completed with the same brother and professional cyclists Taylor Finney and Cameron Wirth. He's competed in a variety of different gravel events, the Dirty Kansas, the Leadville 100, the Three Peaks Cyclocross, as well as all of EF Pro's cycling alternative calendar. He was also the first to finish the 2019 GB Duro, which is a 2,000-kilometer challenge from Lands End to John O'Groats, the United Kingdom. And uh, in uh, 2020, he set a new record of 11 hours and 14 minutes, 542-mile Cockapelli Trail in the United States. In uh, 2020, he also won the Badlands, a 700-kilometer race across the Iberian Peninsula. And he's also held the record for Everesting, did the 8,800 meters of climbing for Everesting in 7 hours and 29 minutes. And then most recently, and just a few days ago, we saw the uh, release of the full video around this alternative tour, which is to ride the entire 2021 Tour de France route, including the transfers, unsupported in aid of World Bicycle Relief. He started in Brittany on the same day as the regular tour, but built up a lead on the peloton by riding for 12 hours a day often. And as you'll hear in this interview, lots of amusing stories that he has to tell about the alternative tour and a very entertaining philosophical guy who I find massively inspiring as a cyclist. So I caught up with Lachlan at the Saronsburg Wine Cellar after stage three of the Absa Cape Epic. Lachlan Martin, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. I, I have to admit that I, I'm a bit of a fan. Hmm. I think I've watched your career from afar here in South Africa for a number of years. And 
there's a kind of quirkiness about the way that you ride a bike. You've done everything from riding at wheelchair level right down to long distance events, ultra distance events, most notably the alternative tour that you did on the Tour de France uh, very recently. I think the first question I've always wanted to ask you is what motivates you as a cyclist to take on these different challenges? Because it seems that you're not necessarily happy as a competitive pro. You like the challenge of cycling rather than the competition of cycling. Is that a, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, I think um, like I grew up a road cyclist and like winning in competition was always my drive. Um, and just over the years of competing um, at a top level, I like slowly came to the realization that like I was only experiencing like a very small slither of what cycling can offer and what like a bike can offer um so yeah like my goal became to like try and explore as much of cycling as i can um and it's been like a very rewarding experience um and i'm in a lucky position where like i have sponsors who are like supportive of that so like i'm able to like really throw myself at it which is yeah, it's great. You know? I mean, it's kind of unique because in previous World Tour teams, obviously they've been dedicated very much to the World Tour ra- ra- racing scene and that's the, been the thing with edu- EF Education. They're focused on a, almost alternative events. Uh, do you see yourself as the sort of main alternative rider for them doing all these different events? Like here we are at the Cape Epic. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I'm like the only one this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's generally Alex and I. Um, yeah, Alex House. Alex House, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, like I when they wanted to start the program, that was the main reason I, I joined the team. Um because, when you say start the program, what do you mean by what like, was the program called? The program the idea was like let's explore this idea of like an alternate calendar. So like let's do events alongside what we regularly do. Mm. Um and like we'll document it and try and tell different stories in cycling. Mm. Um and that was like a project i'd been involved in in with rafa before i joined the team and then they paired up and i was like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity i'm going to jump on this um Mm. and really any chance to do anything outside of the regular calendar i would just put my hand up and it's like i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that and then do you not do you not like world tour racing stuff i I I love i love world tour racing um but it's not all I want to do. Mm. And if, if that was all I could do, I don't think I could do it, if that makes mm. sense. Um, like my personality, um, it doesn't really lend itself to like just committing to one thing um, and like that, you know, that be mm. it. Um, mm. I think like I stepped away from like world tour racing when I was quite young and yeah. because I realized like it was becoming like a detriment to me as a, person um, well, just i mean describe why it was a detriment because we listened to stories of people like Marcel Cattell who's obviously battled with mental illness in the past and how yeah. it, his professional career fit into that it was t- such a tough environment to work in is it really difficult to be a, a just a, ro- a road professional in terms of world tour racing all the time I mean, is, is that is I mean, it a real I think challenge to do that it's not i don't think it's a challenge for everyone i think for certain people it's more of a challenge um i think there's some people who love that hyper intense environment and really focusing on details and like um i mean you have to be selfish really you know Mm. you have to like 
pause off a lot of your life to focus on one thing, which is mm. pedaling my bike hard, you know, yeah. and like competing in events that are more or less the same <laughs> for yeah. like 80 days a year. Yeah. Um, which like, I don't know, for me, that's um, like as a kid, I, I would train a lot, you know, mm. like I when I was like, 15 or 16 i was already training like 30 hours a week you know because like i wanted to be the best you wanted to be a pro to a rider yeah yeah and then i like hit that goal like when i was 20 um and that's all i'd wanted to do for 10 years mm. and then i kind of over the course of a year of being there i just reassessed everything and i realized that like i was now like living on the other side of the world from all my family and friends yeah I would barely speak to like I'd speak to my parents maybe once every couple of months yeah. and like didn't bother to make friends where I was living because I'm like I'm just training you know yeah um is it lonely yeah was it? in a yeah. way and like yeah. and it's not again that that was my experience it's not everyone's experience mm. um mm. but I just know the way when I really get focused on something like that that's the road I'm gonna go down yeah. um you know I'll go I'll go right down the rabbit hole mm. um mm. so I knew I had to like remove myself from that to basically just become a, a better person yeah. because like I looked at the person I was and I was like, this isn't who I want to be. Um, and also I don't think this is sustainable and or if it that, is, this isn't worth it to me. Was um, that person then you think that selfish, self-absorbed person that you need to be at that level? That's the person um, you didn't want to be. Yeah. I think for, for me, like if I wanted to be, like trying to win the tour i would be a selfish dickhead <laughs> you know like i know what um, you, you almost have to be is that, is that what it takes isn't it uh yeah i mean i think like you have to have a degree of selfishness um i don't think you have to be a dickhead i know a lot of guys now who perform at the top level who are great who are people, nice guys <laughs> and i like wish i could do that but yeah i just i just know like i just know who i am i know who i am too well um so that's kind of when i started to like explore a different path you know mm -hmm. uh, and up until that point like my bike had just been like the thing i used to try and beat people or like prove myself to people mm. or like make my my living mm. um it, it hadn't been anything more than that and then i started to like do trips and like put bags on and do a few things that like i started to realize i was like oh, i could be doing a lot more like with my bike and my ability to ride it um because it felt like the the trips and the bike packing all the adventures you did with your brother at a fairly early age yeah that came before normally the other it happens the other way around you're a racer then you sort of become a bike packer and a tourer yeah you guys were adventurers before you were racers yeah well i was a racer and i stepped back mm. and then we did more touring and like like different like projects where we'd go ride different areas and like made a few films um and through that process like i knew i still wanted to race mm. um but i also knew that like i wanted to keep doing like exploring that like adventure mm. side of, of riding bikes um so for like a few years i came back to the world tour um with dimension data yeah and I was kind of like racing a full season and then in the off season I'd like go and you know do a trip with my brother or like yeah. get that out of the system um, yeah. and then like the opportunity came to like 
basically combine the two things um which like i said before like it was a dream for me so I, I, and it's unusual for pro teams to do this yeah which, which means it's for you at your time of your career it's a great deal of luck that a team is actually embarking on this sort of project because very few professional teams have done this in the past totally yeah. um and like initially i felt like a big almost pressure to like prove the concept yeah. you know because like I, I i had like i knew that there was a, a space in cycling for like what we've done um and i, I thought that that would connect with like the wider so cycling audience mm. um but then i had to go and do it and like try and do it and i felt the responsibility also i had to maintain my level on the road so that they would let other riders come and do it <laughs> you know um so like that was the first year that was definitely like mm. um i was a bit the guinea pig i think and it, i mean it i guess at the end out. of the day as a sponsor so, they want to get some coverage out of this because yeah. that's why they pay you a salary to do it it's not just you know sort of philanthropic in many ways it's a it's an opportunity for them to create exposure in other in other places totally and yeah. and and that has worked out really well mm. um mm. and like you know our budget as, as far as like the um alternative calendar goes uh. is so small compared to like what the world, the world calendar. budget is yeah. um and I think we punch above our weight in terms of like the exposure we get. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, yeah, it just, it, it works out. And then especially like, you know, in COVID last year, there was no racing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, I was the only one out there really yeah, doing, doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's worked out well. And like, it, it's great for um, all the sponsors involved. It's great for the mm -hmm. team. And then like, as a rider, um, I'm really happy. So I think we were, the luck element was, it wasn't like the idea wasn't luck. There was a lot of people involved coming up with the concept, but mm. I think we were lucky in that all the people who were involved were the right people right. Uh, who had like a real passion. They were motivated by the same factors. Exactly. Yeah. Like everyone from, you know, the people on the team side and then like the crew at Rafa and the people filming it, mm. Um, mm. like, and then, myself as a writer like we all just wanted to like do something yeah special um, i mean it's it's quite a production because yes you do all these adventures but you've got a a little team that kind of follows you around produces amazing video movies and and content yeah. around those concepts so it's not just you know you're not just a lone guy riding on a bike there there is a message you want to get across i mean what what is that message what is the message you want to get across to people that watch these features um, i think the my like ideal like at, at the core of it it's just to get more people on bikes yeah. right um and i think that like there's a lot of people who look at like men's road cycling at an elite level which gets the majority of the coverage by far yeah and they just can't relate to that you know um yeah. like if you're a 14 year old kid you got to be a special 14 year old kid to look at that and be like i mm. want to do that yeah you know um yeah but if you can show like a bunch of different ideas of what cycling is and what you can get out of it that's maybe not trying to win mm. because no not everyone can win but anyone can like decide all right i want to challenge myself and ride across the state i live or like 
I want to challenge myself and go and do a local mountain bike race. Yeah. Like there's there's so many different ways to get people engaged with the sport. Like at the heart of it, that's that's our our objective, I guess. Mm. Um, and also just to tell like stories of people who are already involved in cycling um, in in different genres mm. <laughs> of the mm. different disciplines, I guess, mm. that are involved in bikes. I mean, I suppose for many young cyclists and people growing up in the sport of cycling, very few will get to the very top level of the sport. Yeah. And there's always that sort of fight between bringing talent through to be at the top level and often that talent that doesn't get to the top level feel like there's no point in competing yeah. if they're not racing and winning. Totally. But I think to some extent what you're doing is proving that even if you're not going to race, there's still a lot of value in cycling as a lifestyle. Yeah. And to be honest, like the majority of messages I get from people are people who used to ride mm. and then gave it away because they got disillusioned with racing mm. or like couldn't crack it or whatever it was that mm. they just felt that like they didn't want to ride bikes anymore. And then they've now been like, oh, wait, I can just ride for fun or ride to like better myself as a person or mm. like just to challenge myself mm. not to be better than someone else you know mm. um mm. so like that's for me like that's that's the reward of it yeah you know? and that means that's success i mean many people probably think of you as quite a quirky person in many ways just your look and the way you i mean you're sitting here in front of me in a in the saronsburg uh, wine <laughs> estate and inside the cellar here in the art gallery yeah. uh, unshaven legs which is very unlikely sure. for a pro sure. and, and i mean do you see yourself as a as a quirky alternative sort of writer it's obviously just your personality but you do you see yourself like that uh no i don't i mean i just like um my like ethos in the way that like i generally live my life is to like i just chase things that motivate me um and like down to the way i train or like ride every day or like to what i wear or to like just generally i'm like okay what do i actually feel like doing here so you're not deliberately obtuse no it's just who you are <laughs> no, i'm trying to be yeah i feel like um it was a lot harder for me to be like a traditional clean-cut cyclist um and for a lot of years like i like pushed myself into that um window mm. and then like i've slowly been able to like actually you know what i can be myself and like mm. people appreciate me more for that yeah <laughs> so, like I, I, yeah do you think but, there's, but there's no there's no intention behind like yeah most of what i do <laughs> do you I'm think honest. there's an authenticity that comes through in that because yeah i think like unique. the way like going back to like our, our goals um i've always said like we have to be very authentic in what we're doing mm. like down to the way we shoot everything or like i'm like you can they can shoot whatever but i'm just going to do my thing like there's no retakes there's no yeah you're like, not you're script. not stopping and reshooting you're shooting it no i'm happening. just like you can you film me and I, i'll do my thing mm. um but also down to like events that we do you know like Mm. there's always a sponsor who's like oh can you come do this but if i'm if i generally feel i'm like well like that's just like it, it's there's no story in that for yeah. me or there's there's no motivation for me to go and do that then mm. like generally we're not going to do it because mm. like people aren't dumb and, and people know what's authentic and what's not you know what's mm. just mm. like mm. if you're doing something just because like a sponsor wants to sell something then like 
you know that, i mean that's, that. that's challenging when you're being paid as a cyclist to perform and obviously sponsors that are eager to get their pounds flesh out of you yeah. i mean they're, they're, you're up against the system a little bit in that way isn't it i mean you must have bumped heads with a few people who are members of the team and administrators of past teams because of those challenges yeah i think i mean in some ways but also i think it, we're all on the same page with it yeah. um and like with the of education yeah, yeah yeah um so it's not like i mean take this race for example mm. it's like we had to pivot from alex and i were coming here to like perform yeah you know and we were both very motivated to race and the majority of the alternate races we do not we don't take seriously but we don't go in with like the same mindset that you would to a world tour race yeah because like there's no there's no place for that i don't think yeah you know yeah. um but we were coming here because we wanted to race you yeah. know and like we we spent like a long time like getting good on mountain bikes and like putting out our homework in yeah um and then that was like okay we're all on board because we're going to go and try and like race against mountain bikers like this will be fun and then when you say race you're taking going for top 10 placings yeah we that wanted to we, we, yeah. yeah i mean we, like we never i never like to put like a, a number out there yes. because it, like to be honest it's a shot in the dark we've got yeah. no idea like we could have got here and if we'd raced well and to our ability and that was 20th and mm. like we would have been like sweet 20th yeah. you know but we were coming to like beast, yeah, yeah to go hard um and then he got injured so then we had to pivot everything and like it's like all right we have to shift from we're gonna go out there and try and smash everyone or like actually no we're gonna try and give an opportunity to a rider who otherwise maybe wouldn't have had it and also he's also saving my ass because i don't have a partner like and then there's a lot of like teams who would just said okay let's pack up and go home you yeah. know like we don't have a super competitive team like we're here to try and get a result like what's the point let's mm. save the resources or let's just like yeah come back next year but it's nice to have like sponsors and partners who are like you know what that's a sick idea let's go mm. and do that mm. and like okay you're not in the top 10 but like this is a great story yeah you know? um so yeah yeah i think like in that way we're lucky yeah i mean to some extent you're getting a bit of a look-see at the cape epic this year because maybe you can come back next year and this is like a trial for you to see what is what it's about yeah Yeah. getting lots of good intel Uh, which yeah like it's nice to explore the race at like not quite warp speed yeah one because you like i can really appreciate like the scenery the atmosphere but also like like you said i keep looking yeah. at stages and i'm like oh i'm glad i know that now like and thinking of like bike setups and just stuff that you're like all right yeah, next yeah. time we come you here we'll tweak. be a bit more dialed you know <laughs> um and like i really already i really want to come back yeah yeah um, yeah a- tell us about i mean the most recently the big event that grabbed a lot of international attention was obviously the alternative to Tour de France, five yeah. and a half thousand kilometers and 16 days of which you rode half of it in a pair of sandals because your feet were sore. Yeah. Uh, tell us how that concept came about. I mean, how do you come up with those sorts of ideas? And is it your idea or a team idea? Or That was um, actually the CEO at EF had like this idea and 
he, he like then it went through JV JV like who's the runs our team Jonathan Borders yep. he asked me like kind of what do you think about it and can it be done and we were actually thinking about doing it at the Giro yeah um, the year before uh, but then I ended up actually racing the real Giro yes. um, so <laughs> like, like kind of got put on the afterburners yeah and then we're like wait why don't we do it for the tour um and yeah so i looked at the route and i was like i think it's doable um and <laughs> knowing that you'd be out for 12 hours a day roughly per day yeah and the initial idea that came like to me was that like i was going to be fully supported with a like a, a van following or like a camper and then i would just sleep yeah, yeah. in the camper and um and going back to like authenticity and motivation i mm. didn't like the idea of doing it that way i was like if i do it i want to do it like unsupported so that was my input that was so like, you're carrying your clothes on your bike on your bike yeah was carried everything really and like a bivy and wow. slept outside sure. all but one night yeah, yeah um and yeah like that was my input so that's kind of how it came together and then yeah. that idea was kind of confirmed in i think like maybe february or march yeah. and then from there it just kind of built to like all right what do we need to do we need to work out the transport for routes like yeah. how rough we're going to shoot this thing yeah um like the bike equipment and then it just sort of slowly comes together and like yeah. the week before is always like a mad rush <laughs> and then like you just get i mean just for thing. those listeners that don't know what it's about I and mean, essentially what you did is you covered the entire route including the transfers so yeah. you rode you know, almost 2,000 kilometers more than the tour riders themselves. Yeah. And instead of taking the bus between stages, you were riding between those two stages. So it was, yeah. a, it was a, I mean, it's a monumental thing to consider. And even given what you've done in the past in history, in terms of your ability to ride for long distances, mm -hmm. there must have been, are there moments when you think, oh, I don't know whether I can do this? Oh, totally. Is it? Like, so it it's not total confidence. Yes, I'm, I'll just go and do this. It's No, no. Beforehand, I was like at 60, 40. Like whether you're going to do it or not if, it, if it's doable 60% you know? you, it is doable yeah <laughs> you have to be weighing it doable yeah. um, just because I know there's so many things that can go yeah. wrong you know like it's just so many there's a, I mean you could start rattling things off but it's like you know you get sick saddle yeah. sores mechanicals like there's like anything can happen and yeah. there's so much of it's out of your control yeah um, so yeah, I was kind of somewhat confident in my ability to ride the distance. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I just like, I think I can do that. Um, I mean, you, had you ever ridden that for that many hours per day? I've done it per day. Done? Have you? Okay. But never for three weeks or two yeah. and a half weeks, which is the real challenge of it. It's the yeah. consistency. So um, it was officially the longest ride you'd done consequent it's sort of in one in sequence yeah i did no i did a gravel race in spain the year before where i did like 42 hours just went like one go in one go yeah um but the la i think the last day of the tour was 24 hours or something wow. um riding into paris yeah like yeah. the last it was 650k or something um <laughs> that's far <laughs> but yeah i, I just um and was it, was, it was like as a physical challenge it was yeah it yeah. was the hardest 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sure. I mean, that last, that last stint, was that the plan was to ride 650 or was it, it just was because always, you had plenty of time? It was always my plan. I never was told it? anyone. <laughs> I mean, why didn't you just say, well, I'll ride 300 today and 300 with a good yeah, night's yeah. sleep? Yeah, I, I wanted not? to do like um, the longest that ever stage of the tour was like 480k or something yes. 440 and so i wanted to do one of those just to like, like an original tour de france stage. feel what that's like yeah. um, and then by the time i'd done that it i was like i feel fine and like it just made sense yeah. and once i got to the edge of paris it was like i'm just gonna do it yeah you gotta finish you know what i mean and it was also <laughs> perfect because it was like middle of the night yeah. No traffic and like that's great. amazing images of you on the Champs Elysees, yeah. standing with your 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 sandals on. You know? Yeah, yeah, Incredible. true, yeah. true. Um, what ha- what happened with the shoes? Explain I, why um, you had to stop using shoes, cycling shoes. So like the th- the first day, um, I my cleat was in the wrong spot. So like I put new cleats on my shoes, like as you do the day yeah. before. Yeah. Um, everything has to like, be new. Yeah, it's, and then. It didn't tighten one, slipped, and like I didn't notice. And so I rode like the first 12 hours. Yeah. And like the last two, I was like, ah, I can feel my knee a bit. It's pretty sore. And then when well, I. This is 12 hours in. Yeah. And so, so then early. when I stopped that night, I checked it and was like, ah, oh, shit. Um, this is, but at that point, the damage was done. Like yeah. the tendons were all aggravated. And I, sure. I like nursed it through two days. But it was a real problem. Like I could barely pedal with like my left foot. So there must have been some real data whether you could do that at this stage. Totally. Yeah. Um, and in my head, I was like, I'm always going to find a way. But I think for everyone around, they were like, I think this is dead, you know? And so <laughs> I, in my head, I was like, okay, if I stop now for like two days, I think I could catch up again. Yeah. You know, I was like, I could stop, like rest my knee and then like hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be better and then I can push on, yeah. catch the race and get back ahead. Yeah. Um, but then like that that same day, um, I like set up camp for the night and then was trying to find some dinner. And so I went to like a supermarket and there was a bike there for that had flat pedals. <laughs> And then that's, that was the idea in my head. I was like, if I can have flat pedals, like I could self-select. And because I, when I rode over to the supermarket, I didn't even put my foot in the shoe, in the yeah. bike shoe. I put it on top. And that felt more comfortable. And I was like, oh, there's no pain now. Yeah. Like, and I could see my foot was sitting like dramatically different yeah. than I could ever set a cleat. Yeah. Um, so then it was just like, you know. So somebody went and got, got some old school flat pedals. From yeah, a bike so, shop. no, I just did a supermarket and, <laughs> and they wouldn't sell me like just the pedal. So I had to buy the whole bike. <laughs> it was like 50 euros, this bike. And in the end, I was like, you know what? You could have charged me like 200. I would have paid today. <laughs> um, so like I whipped the pedals off and then gave the bike away 
at a, uh, a campground really? uh, and that was it I had the sandals and that's amazing. put my seat down and like i thought at that point i was like i can wear them for a few days till my knee gets better hmm. um but i didn't slow down at all so i was like it's kind of nice and then that's what i was saying it was your average speed roughly what it was with the- it started going i started going faster <laughs> which like you know Maybe technology isn't as good as we think it well, is. Well, <laughs> I think like just the, it was the perfect tool for that job, yeah. and it was a very specific job. Like yeah. I would hate to try and race the Cape Epic in those sandals, yeah. but um, for what I was doing, like with a really loaded bike, you're never really like out of the seat. You're just yeah. kind of like sitting, doing work, like mm. pushing. Um, mm. And and then I tried to like because I, I held onto the shoes and had them in my bag. Mm. I tried to put them back on. And I was just like, I prefer the sandals. So then I just got rid of the shoes altogether and was like, all right, commit to the sandals. Um, and this was three, four days in then, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. and then that. I just stayed in them. Uh, and so I had some issues with like blisters and like I'd have oh. to keep modifying the yeah. sandals. Um, yeah. And in the rain, they were a bit of a nightmare, I have to yeah. admit, because like they're pretty slippery. Um, and it <laughs> rained like almost every day. But um, no, like to, I think from like the the outside people who were watching yeah. they that was like the first thing they would see It'd be like how is it possible to do it in sandals but to be honest like within six hours of wearing them the first time i was at peace with it i was like these are great yeah and i didn't even think about it again i was like i've got so many other <laughs> problems that like this is way down the list you know i mean the mindset is interesting because for cyclists out there they would have said, well, why not just, you know, adjust the cleat on a cycling mm-hmm. shoe? You're going to be more efficient. There must be something about your psychology that lets you go, okay, this is working for me. It's not what, it's completely logical in terms of cycling that this gets more and more efficient. Yeah. But it just makes sense. I mean, I can't imagine any other rider in the world making that decision and riding that distance in a pair of, in, a, in sandals. Yeah. Is it I a mean, unique mindset like, that you know of? Yeah, I think that's probably just like, the way you put it there i've never thought about it like this it's just kind of like a good metaphor for like road cycling in general i think everyone's mm. like oh there's a way this is done mm. like and you do it this way and if you can't do it this way then like you can't do it mm. it's like there's often another way if yeah. you're just willing to like look around and <laughs> see what's available you know um, yeah so yeah i, I mean like ultra distance riding long distance riding is like there's all problem solving mm. you know that's like the biggest you're constantly solving some issue that you have mm. like all the way mm. whether it's just like a bit of negativity in your head or like a literal mechanical issue there's always something that you just like yeah. okay i'm managing all this um so like the mindset is just so different that like to me that wasn't far out of the box. I was just like, oh, this is perfect. Mm. Great, let's mm. go. <laughs> you know? I mean, there obviously must be those moments on an event like that where it's just pure and, and obliterated happiness when you feel like you're riding, having a no chain day, Yeah, you know, you're cruising along, the cadence is perfect, the rhythm's good, the sun's out and there's no wind. I mean, there must yeah. be those days when you just think, oh, this is, I could ride like this forever. Totally. Yeah. Like. Almost every day you have one of those moments. Mm. Some days you only get it for like 30 seconds and sometimes <laughs> you'll have it for like five hours, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And then the same goes for the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. There's always like a really low point every day 
no matter what like you just have to accept that it doesn't get easier is it psychological or is it physical or, or a bit both. of both sometimes yeah. yeah yeah sometimes it's like literally like okay i'm really really tired like my body just is working against me right now mm. um or sometimes it's just like a, a real negativity of like mm. what's the point in this just stop now or like you know like it could even just be like your interaction with someone like something can just like mm. make you negative um mm. and then you just have to find your way out of that um, tell us some of your strategies i mean we all we all go through that in some respect when we're mm -hmm. writing much shorter events that you attempt on but we all go through those phases how, how do you work through that um this i wish there was like one one trick fix <laughs> yes. You know, because we like, all wish there was one trick. Going back to problem solving, you have to work out what's going to fix that problem. Mm. Um, but generally, if like if I'm having like a, a, a moment of doubt or like a difficult physical moment, and like food hasn't helped, you know, or like a change of pace, or mm. like like so like the normal things, mm. drinking water, like those things. If that hasn't helped, and you realize you're like, okay, this is something bigger than like a simple fix you just like essentially it just comes back to like coming right back to the moment mm. so like not thinking beyond like what you're doing right at that moment yeah like if i can just focus on doing the, the best of what i'm doing right yeah. here then like this problem's going to take care of itself because mm. like i'm either going to get to the top of the climb and like i'll see something that'll like be amazing and change my mindset or like mm. I'm going to get down this road and then like my legs, they will feel better. You know, it, it always like breaks. Yeah. And yeah. I think when I first started doing it, I, I was the same as anyone. And like, I didn't understand that. Like you think the crisis you're going through is the ultimate crisis, yes, you know, that's like the that's, the, that's going to finish it. <laughs> yeah. And then once you get past that enough times, mm. like you realize that like it does end, but the crisis doesn't become easier. Yeah like it's still the same yeah. you know like and once you understand that like you're like it's coming <laughs> but yes. like my ability to yeah. deal with it is going to be better so the overcoming overcoming of these crises along the way and i, I imagine you've had many of them in your career because you've done so mm -hmm. many events i guess that gives you confidence to overcome when those crises happen again totally yeah yeah i mean today i walked for 10k because like i broke my chain yeah you saw and that like, on the footage yeah to me like of, like that's what I did like I knew the second I broke my chain I was like I know where my my uh, quick link is it's not with me <laughs> like, <you> know? <laughs> Damn. I, know, I know I know the next uh, aid box is like 15 k's away so it's like you got to start walking like, yeah there's no point sitting here and like pretending you try and fix it or whatever you so just, you don't get all down on yourself you no, just, you just say, get, well, get to walking and look yeah. around you're like it's a nice place to be walking you know what i mean and it was it was beautiful like you just yeah. kind of like look at the yeah. end of the day and then i yeah. got to watch the yeah. elite women come through and like <laughs> you know there's always like a silver lining and it could be a lot worse and know? was it 10ks you walked today 15ks 10ks with um you had a couple of downers you could freewheel down yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no chain but um yeah. yeah you kind of fixed and got there in the end but it's, you I mean, know but, i mean you know there's always something tomorrow it'll be something different you know what I mean? Like every day you have to overcome something. Like the first day for me, it was just like um, letting the bunch go in the start, like feeling so ready and then being like, okay, I have to let my ambition go here. 
Mm. And like, cause you're racing the UCI racing group. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like understanding that my partner is like, this is his first exposure to that. And like, you have to like, as hard as it is to empathize with that, when you're feeling really good, you're like, you have to do that. So like, that was my challenge day one, you know? And like, it's a very different problem <laughs> than like no shame, but like you can apply the same but I guess if you're strategies. racing and you break your chain and you're in the top five, it's it's totally. a different story, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. different story ultimately. Yeah, but um, in the end, like, say we were racing in the top five and that happened, and I like, well, if I was in the top five, I would have made sure. I had a link. But um, <laughs> I would have been looking at the details. Seems like a bit of an amateur mistake for a professional cyclist. Oh, totally. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. I am saying it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I brought it totally on myself. Um, but even say, say you're in the same situation you are racing, even if you get angry about it and like sit there and jump up and down for five minutes, like you're still not fixing the problem, you know? <laughs> it seems like nothing really makes you angry. I mean, are there things that really make you angry last? Yeah, I still get angry. Like, like what? <laughs> uh, I hate traffic. <laughs> I can imagine that's true. And yeah. like lines. Um, yeah. Like at airports and that, I just like, they're the two things that like, yeah. I don't like, um, but no, like if you, um, if someone upsets me, mm. like they have to do a pretty good job. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that seems pretty <laughs> obvious. Are, yeah. If you're listening to this and you end up upsetting me, like you must have done yeah, something. Yeah. You must have really good. got on my, yeah. on my goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about your lifestyle. Are you... Do you have a very alternative way of eating? Are you a vegan or anything like that? I mean, what no, is your? I eat everything. Do you? Um, I you got vices? Do you like... like just my? I mean, like also like the racing I do and all that. Mm. Can't be picky. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you can afford to eat anything you like. Really. Yeah, yeah, afford to eat anything you like, but also like you have to. You know what I mean? Like if uh, yeah. So no eating. I, I eat anything. Um, a few beers every day yeah <laughs> even during epic even during epic um, wouldn't matter if I was at the front or the back you know what I mean that's just kind of who I am um, and yeah like riding wise I don't have a coach um, but I do a lot of riding I was going to say do you have you know three times long no. endurance sessions or do you, you just ride no I just ride do you um, ride with a heart rate monitor and look at what your heart rate is and no, your power numbers and no I've done enough riding to where I kind of have a pretty good idea of mm. where I'm at mm. um, and I kind of know what works for me and mm. what doesn't um, you're not obsessed by the data no no, no. no. Um, I kind of plan all my my days generally go like I wake up and then like I have a really good knowledge of all the roads and trails where I, where I live. You know what I mean? It's like a mental like map. Because you kind of kind of go the time in Girona and yeah, between moment, yeah. yeah, Girona and and Boulder. Um, but yeah, I just kind of go through all the places I could ride and like the routes I could do. And then I, when I start to think of something, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that that's kind of like motivating. So it's literally me. a daily decision. Yeah. Today I feel like mountain biking into the mountains in Boulder. Totally. Okay. And then like yeah. I might go into this area, ride these trails, or do this, and um, that must be more or less if every If you did day. have a coach, he'd be very frustrated with that. Yeah, plan, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. I always break them. 
<laughs> I was going to say it's not ideally for it always content. starts out with the best intentions but I always break them um, yeah I, I don't think I'm coachable um, but I also understand that like it doesn't mean I don't prepare if that makes sense um, like, it's a bit of Eddie Merckx ride every day yeah no exactly how long or short but just ride just ride yeah. and yeah. then when I feel good I push hard uh, if I don't feel good I don't but um uh, most days I'm out there for like four to eight hours riding my bike, you yeah. know, because like. I mean, have you tried structured training in the past and thought, ah, this just yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I started from, you know, the mm. other extreme end where I was like very data driven mm. and like had to do the intervals and like um, ultimately I tied a lot of my self-worth to like you know my threshold power yes. and then realized that like it's just um, yeah. I don't need that in yeah. my life <laughs> and it doesn't help um, yeah. in a lot of ways for me because yeah, psychologically it affects you if you have a bad day doesn't it yeah exactly um, and so now I think the way I ride I'm pretty like um, adaptable to most of the disciplines I do um, and like I just have like a nice balance where I can kind of perform where I, as much as I want to <laughs> in like most things you know yeah yeah um, so for Lachlan Morton what does the next challenge look like other than your normal oh, yeah. races and what does the the long-term future look like I mean where do you see yourself as a retired rider in maybe 10-15 years from now um, it's not over the short-term stuff in the yeah, next year or two the immediate it's just kind of like I mean we have like ideas for the like what the alternative calendar might look like next year and then like with all the any world like, tour events you'll do was it just alternative events that you're going to be i'll probably do some world tour stuff as well um but once we have like concrete ideas of what those other races look like um then you can kind of work out where i can get away with doing some racing on the road because um, i actually really it's the enjoy other way around to normal professional yeah life, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? yeah um because I enjoy like jumping in the team and like going away and doing a week-long stage race now, you know, like because I'm not exposed to it as often. So like that hyper pressure environment is kind of fun to, to be in. Um, and like, yeah, it's great. Like you, you race a world tour race, you have to be very in the moment and like focused and that's fun. Um, but yeah, sorry, outside of that, um, we're still coming up with ideas for what like the next big challenge would be um and yeah i think like most nights here when we're kind of sitting around outside the camper we're sort of like chatting about different ideas um but there's nothing concrete except for the fact that there will be like another big stupid challenge that I'll go into. i mean i suppose the brainstorming must be quite fun when you're sitting with the team and yeah it's maybe you're a couple of beers down and you think well maybe let's do this yeah people, exactly the ideas get oh, more, that's nuts. more and more stupid yes. <laughs> um, but yeah generally it's like that you kind of like i feel like um i'm generally throwing out the really stupid ideas yeah and then like everyone else is kind of throwing out ideas that i'm like it's not stupid enough and then we kind of find <laughs> something in the middle <laughs> um, so yeah and then long term like um i always want to be involved with bikes um mm. i don't think like i never see myself like being involved in racing like i would never be like a director or mm. work mm. in that environment but mm. um 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think like if I could like somehow replicate the experiences I've been able to have like through um, mainly discomfort on the bike, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> maybe putting people in a situation that like mm. um, is definitely uncomfortable, but maybe they wouldn't do themselves, but being able to kind of facilitate that and then help people have that same um so empowering people to believe that are, pe- yeah, yeah exactly empowering yeah. people through their through the bike and yeah like if i could help people you know have those experiences that's kind of my yeah dream um, you're, you're kind of an advocate really for that genre of cycling in many ways i think people see you as that you know yeah uh, and like i mean it doesn't yeah i think like um ultra distance stuff or even not even ultra just just difficult stuff mm-hmm. in the past it's kind of been like um left to like a real niche that's like easy to look at and you're like yeah no that's stupid they're just weird people <laughs> who go and like you know ride from old ones. like I, I think like uh, most people could get something out of doing something like that at yeah. least once in their life yeah you know um yeah. because of all the cycling i've done it's the most difficult stuff that I've come home and been like, that changed my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, like, I'm of... sure some people are having that experience here this week. Yeah. You know, like if you're out there for nine hours every day, yeah. For eight days, like, that, yeah, that'll, that'll change your life. It's character building, isn't it? Totally. Totally. You'll be a <laughs> no different person you are. Yeah. on the other side for sure. Absolutely. Well, best of luck for the rest of the Cape Epic. It's thanks, certainly mate. been a privilege having you here to experience it. And thanks so much for your time today. No. No worries. Thank you for listening to the Science of Sport podcast. Follow us on Twitter at SportsSciPod and on Instagram at Science of Sport Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.